Welcome to Social Capital Expert, a show where we discover the value of social capital and how cultivating strategic relationships is critical to our success. In each episode, your host, Sarah Francis McDaniel, will explore the stories of fascinating people from all over the world to better understand how their ability to build relationships has led to their success. We will uncover tips, tricks, and practical ways that you too can become a social capital expert. Hi, and welcome to the show. I am very excited to have my good friend, Mike Davidson, here with us today. Mike, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I am really excited to be here. Honored. It's uh, it's a long time coming. I feel like we could have done this a long time ago, but I'm super excited to be able to do it now. And uh, I just look forward to getting to know you a little bit more and um, sharing your story. So tell us a little bit about where you are today and what you do today, and then we'll get some background, see where you came, where you came from. Thanks. Awesome. So um, honestly, really grateful to be here. You've had a lot of guests on your show that are like my mentors and people that I look up to in our industry. So first of all, thank you so much. It's a, a real honor. So um, I'm Mike Davidson. I'm a Colorado boy through and through. I am uh, living in Castle Rock, Colorado, which is on the south side of Denver. Um, I currently work, uh, I'm sorry, I, I live with my beautiful wife and two awesome stepchildren. Um, they push me every day to be better and better. And um, I'm working for Wonderland Homes, which is an awesome home building company here in Denver market. We're a 55 year old company. Um, we are uh, really about serving the community and serving the people that we uh, build homes for. It's, it's a different company, definitely one of the best groups I've ever worked for, a lot of great people here, and I'm, I'm just honored to have the ability to then kind of work into this relationship with you and your company and, and all the great people that you serve as well. I know it really, the construction industry is just a, it's like a family of sorts, you know, we've got a lot of really sure. good people who connect in a, in a really authentic way. Um, so tell, thanks for telling us where you are today. And um, I'm sure we've got some exciting things that we can talk about about what's happening today, but let's go back a little bit. Can you give us just a little bit of your story and tell us a little bit about where you came from? Of course. So uh, my path is a little bit different than a lot of people in my role. Um, I was, uh, I'll start kind of from the beginning in 2005 when I came into the um, industry, I was basically hired by a guy that I sing with. And so um, it's actually uh, him and his wife, uh, we were in an acapella group together. He and I sang in a big chorus together. And so how that, how that really ties in to social capital and all that thing, um, you know, I started as a six-year-old uh, in a barbershop chorus called the Denver Mile High Chorus, which turned into what's now called the Sound of the Rockies. My dad was a leader um, of that group, and I started coming when I was six. Both my parents were championship level acapella barbershop singers. And so that's my whole background really up until college even and through college I sang as well. So I was I was a bit of a different kid in that uh, at six years old, I started relating to old men that were in this chorus and started like just kind of growing up really fast, learning this old music kind of, you know, just being in a different zone than most of the other kids that I was growing up with, right? I was, I'm a big guy. I had guy. no idea you were a singer, Matt, Mike. Yeah. I was like, I, I never would have even known that. So already I'm learning new things. This is fun. Right. So the whole thing transitioned into, you know, through growing up, um, knowing this gentleman named Mitch Johnson, who was an awesome salesperson in the market. And he had gone into um, home, home sales, you know, when he was young. And then he and I met through this group and essentially he um, hired me to take over. Uh, he was taking over for a, uh, a home builder at the time was called Ryder Homes here in the market, which was a really well-known 
master plan development company, which turned into Standard Pacific Homes. And he was kind of taken over for this legacy group that had really built Ryder Homes. And he knew that I had the skills in marketing at the time. I was uh, singing in an acapella group and doing all the website and kind of procuring gigs and the guy that was doing all the outreach. And so um, he figured he knew what my work ethic was. He knew that I could kind of pick it up and, and learn it. And so I came in and, and was hired on as a marketing coordinator and grew into uh, this leader as a, a VP of sales and marketing. Um, and where I manage salespeople, I manage the brand of our company. Um, I, ma I manage, you know, the, the, the land purchases in a lot of cases and do a lot of the acquisition work too uh, here at Wonderland Home. So it's crazy how, how things evolve from a totally different path. Oh my gosh, isn't that insane? It's like, so it's just finding that opportunity or seeing the opportunity and seizing it. For sure. Yeah, it's not, and I say this a lot to people, it's not about what you know. And a lot of people, this is cheesy, right? It's not about what you know. A lot of cases, it's about who you know. And doors are opened in ways that you will not realize if you're just willing to walk through them. Absolutely. So did you ever anticipate that you'd be in the building industry or what was your passion? Was it the marketing piece that was really your passion or, or was it the singing? Gosh, you know what? It's so silly because, you know, you think back now and, and hindsight's twenty twenty. but one of your last guests named Robert, Robert August um, ran the Parade of Homes. And so in this market, the Parade of Homes used to be this amazing luxury thing where you'd go and tour these amazing homes all in one block and buy tickets and my dad and mom took me every single year. Like that was a big thing that they loved to do. We knew a lot of real estate agents. A lot of them were singer friends of ours. And so we kind of got into that. And, you know, when I was a young kid walking through the parade of homes, of course, I'm sure I saw this guy with a bow, bow tie running around, but then it evolved into, I was in a singing group, an acapella group, five part male group that got hired to do a like hour standing gig at the parade of homes for a couple years in a row. And guess who was the guy that hired us? It was Robert August. And so, <laughs> I, I certainly have um, a, a tie in with it um, as a kid and, and really was passionate about it and loved homes and loved real estate and talked about it. But no, I mean, honestly, I wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to be like a famous jazz singer. I went to college to be a music educator, actually. And so uh, I, I didn't really ever see myself, see myself evolving into this at all. Wow, that's awesome. So were you thinking you'd go into when you say music, music educator, like into teaching music and doing that as your profession? Yeah, for sure. So teaching also, you know, is something I do now, right? But um, I was in high school, you know, groups. And like I said, I grew up in this barbershop music. So I learned by ear. So if I can explain it, I didn't really read music, like still, I'm not a great music reader. But um, I, I went into college thinking I could just, you know, figure it out because uh, I was good at singing, right? I was a performer. And so I went to school with this big aspiration of being a music educator. Well, guess what? I didn't take a lot of like music theory or classes to learn how to write and read music. And a big part of being a music educator is writing and reading music and playing the piano. You know, you think about a music teacher. I didn't do a lot of that. And so two years of my life were you know, really struggling to try and get all that, you know, work that I should have been doing in high school uh, to be a music educator. So I really changed course in college. Um, a lot of the things that I was geared toward in my, you know, prerequisite classes, psychology, sociology, economics, were what I ended up with in college. And so um, I really did want to be a music educator, but didn't realize that I didn't have the skill set that it, it really takes. And so I really admire a lot of the music educators that are out there uh, that are, have been great and hugely influential in my life too. 
Wow, that's incredible. It's funny how our journeys take us in paths we really can't ever anticipate from the moment that we're stepping out into it. You know, when as 100%. you look at your yeah, as you look at your journey, you know, do you see social capital playing a role in how you've gotten to where you are or these transitions in your life that have really led you up to this point? For sure. So social capital to me means, you know, how you relate to another human being, right? And how you relate to your sphere of influence, right? And so you know, being in the barbershop group that I was in was the start of it all, right? Me conversing with these older men, getting to have conversations with men when I was a young kid, a teenager, and they really talked to me like I was an adult. And so me really learning how to do that kind of developed this um, ability for me to talk to people and really relate to people. On top of that, um, I come from, you know, parents and, and that kind of thing that were really socially active. And so they had really big groups of friends, very varied groups of friends you know our family was big and we had a lot of parties and it was just like i knew a lot of people even as a young kid and so you know just thinking about all the different people that um you know where that took me you know certainly brought me to where i was obviously the connection with singing brought me into this industry i wouldn't be where i am now without that connection but it's really helped me to, to i'm a teacher now i'm a coach i'm a sales coach and so you know i go in and i i help to teach salespeople how to use that sphere of influence and how to, you know, communicate and the psychology behind really meeting people in their place where they are now to, you know, develop a relationship to then sell them something, right? And so um, I think that absolutely it all has evolved through not only just my, you know, family upbringing through, you know, college and, you know, the, the education that I have now, you know, being a leader and being like soaking up information, podcast books, you know, everything that I do every day outside of work, even during work is all about learning and, you know, getting to grow that, you know, that muscle, I guess, of social capital and how you um, can relate to people. And, and my grandfather was a, a bishop in the Episcopalian church, you know, and so his big thing that we talked about when he passed away in 2005 was like, he really had this ability. And I think I gained this from him to sit down with people. I mean, he would go and minister to people in, in the jails, you know, and things like that, and people that were on their deathbed and people that were just having a really hard time in life. And so his, his deal was that he could sit down with somebody and look at them eye to eye and really face them and, and empathize with them right away and had this built-in compassion with who he was. And so I, I feel like I'm lucky that I have some of that in me. I have to work on it every day, but it's certainly something that I think has helped me get to where I am. That's huge. And thank you for sharing. You know, it, it's interesting. It's how important creating that sense of commonality. And it's like, you know, ultimately, no matter how different we are, we're actually really similar. And if we can find that piece of, of it between two humans and create that relationship, it changes everything. I agree. Um, you know, I have tattoos, right? And so tattoos are, are this thing that are supposed to be important to you, right? So on the back of my, my back is this oneness symbol, right? And so you know, I really lean, you know, into that. Who, who, we're all really one. I mean, if you really think about it, you talk with people, you meet with people, you understand how connected we are. Yeah, we have different lives. Yeah, we have different upbringings, but there's so much in the way that we perceive the world that's the same. And you can really find those pieces if you work really hard at it. Um, you know, then I have this tattoo on my finger that says love, right? So lead with love, really find, you know, the character behind people, but look at people as your family, you know, really talk to somebody as if they're your sister or your brother. And, and, you know, I think if you do that, and then I've got this other one, which is a song I sang to my wife when she was walking down the aisle with my, my new kids, which is look after you. And, and that kind of evolves into 
looking after people, finding, finding ways that you can bring people up and if, as you're having conversations, making connections with people, find the way that you're going to be able to help them grow and, and get better. That's huge. I mean, you just gave us so much good stuff in a quick period of time because I think you're right. Those, those three things, I mean, can change the whole dynamic of an engagement with someone, just creating that opportunity for that oneness and that connection and approaching them with love and adding value. I mean, it's, it's huge. And I think that's really the essence of what social capital is, is just taking the time to be aware of how we can connect interpersonally. For sure. Yes, ma'am. As you, um, you know, as you kind of look at your life and you see how things have evolved, would there be something you would have liked to have told yourself that you, as a younger you, that you now kind of uh, could share with those who are listening? Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, we all made some really dumb mistakes, right? Um, I was just a, a kid that didn't see the world um, for what it was and you know it didn't appreciate as much as i you know have been appreciative of my life now you know going back and having the gratitude for you know how i was raised with everything that's going on in the world right now for sure you know i was just kind of you know and i have a 20 year old son now too so you know i think about this from his, his perspective sometime and really try and relay this to him it's like you know make sure that you're taking the time to be thankful for how great your life is, whether you're going through something really hard, whether you're having a bad day, whether you're having a fight with your spouse or, you know, something like that, or you're, you're getting a bad grade or somebody's bullying you in school, right? You know, there are people out there that are having a much harder time in their life. You know, um, I, I really take it from in 2005 or 15, we had a, a good friend of ours who lost their two and a half year old son. And, you know, that, perspective that I gained um, from realizing all the stupid stuff that I was worrying about every day and, you know, upset about, you know, on a daily basis. When I think about him and his wife and their family and what they had to go through, you know, that's a small example of, you know, the stuff that people are dealing with in their life. And, you know, that's another thing that, you know, social capital wise, when you're talking with people, you never know what people are going through. And so had I told that to myself a long time ago, um, especially when I was an adolescent, you know, teenager, you know, in college, even how much impact you really have on people that are having a really hard time in their life. Um, you don't realize that when you're young. And so that's certainly a piece that I would love to go back and tell myself. That's great advice and just great awareness. You know, I was just telling someone yesterday, you know, with COVID, our, the, the environment has changed a bit as far as how much we are able to interact and engage with people. And for people like us, Mike, who, you know, love that engagement and like, I don't know about you, but like, I am only my best self when I'm around other people and I have the opportunity to learn from them and hear their stories and just have that energy between us. And yesterday there was an event and I, I had the opportunity to just sit and talk to this guy I hadn't seen in months. And it was like, I walked out of there feeling so alive. It wasn't even that we talked about anything in particular. Nothing was, you know, you know, monumental of any kind. But I walked out and I just realized, like, God, it's really this just ability to just gain understanding from other people's perspectives and communicate with them about what's happening in their lives and all of that that just makes this whole thing of life feel so much more worthwhile. Um, And so COVID, you know, we've definitely had to kind of figure out how to continue to engage with people and continue to build our network. Do you have any advice? Because I know you're, you work with the online sales team. You work with your, your um, in-person sales team. What are, you, what are you telling them during this time where it's a little bit different to engage with people? What are they doing now to continue to build social capital? 
So yes, my sales team uh, is one thing, but I, I would just got to give a shout out to my beautiful wife who is in a similar role. She's our rainmaker slash business development person for a roofing company here in town. And, and so, she's fabulous. Thank you. She's amazing. I know, but she basically, um, you know, was one of the first people that I knew of during COVID when we were in lockdown, right? We were at home for about a month and a half, kind of working in our general spaces in our home together. And, you know, she took it upon herself. I'm kind of her sales coach a little bit. She's new to this, but she's like a natural. And she was one of the first people that really started doing, get, thinking outside of the box. You know, she was jumping on Zoom calls before it was really a thing with her clients and really engaging with them you know, personally, it wasn't about, you know, hey, can I sell you something? It wasn't about, hey, can I, you know, you know, let's talk about business. It was about connecting with them. It was about doing something fun together. We were doing bingo. We were doing like really fun happy hour things. We were jumping on like really, you know, just watching Netflix movies together. And some of her clients will never forget that, right? Because they were in such a place where we were so disconnected from the world at that time where they needed that connection. And so I brought a lot of that to my sales team too. Like, how are you reaching out to the customers that you have in your sphere without any agenda, right? It's about checking in on them, finding how they're doing, not really worrying about getting the sale. By being there, being present, and being, you know, that person that's actually giving a, a care about who they are, right? Like, just give a crap and, and take the time to check in. That's, that's all that you have to do. And I, I really do see that that benefited her. It benefited our sales team. Um, it helped them to gain, gain some empathy and clarity of what the real mission is in life and what sales is really all about, which is about making lives better. Absolutely. And I think you're right. It's that, especially in the beginning of COVID, it seemed that people just needed something, just anything yeah. that made them feel like there was some sense of normal or something to look forward to. And uh, are you seeing anything sort of transpire or change as we've gotten, you know, now six or eight months into COVID? Yeah. I mean, I think that we're going to see a lot of change that will not go away. You know, this virtual selling thing, I think is going to be here and it's here to stay. It should have happened a long time ago. Um, you know, especially on the real estate side, you, you think about closing on a home, um, you know, you've got the, you know, financial piece of it. There's got to be a notary there. There's really official documents where you're transferring a deed, you know, to somebody for a, a, the biggest investment of their life, right? And so a lot of that now where three or four years ago, I was trying to work with title companies to be like, hey, this isn't, we're in a new world. Um, and okay. so... Um, basically we're in a new world. Um, uh, like how, why are there so many barriers to, you know, making this easier for people? And so I think the good change that I see is that, you know, things are going to be easier for people. The things that we had so many barriers in place, these antiquated, you know, things that were going on in real estate, especially, um, I think are going to change and evolve. And it's going to make people, you know, who want to buy a home, who want to move, who want to improve their life, who want to get a better house so they can do a zoom meeting or you know have their kid on a call while they're on a call you know um, I think that that's going to evolve and change and be easier for people um, you know that I also see you know at least for most people that I deal with right I think there's a lot going on in the world that's negative and I think there's a ton of really bad stuff that's coming out of this that's been divisive you know and I don't want to get political but I think that you know that um, the good thing that I see is that people have connected people have figured out how to connect um, on a deeper level, um, you know, the virtual, you know, connection is different, right? And, and you think about kids growing up with masks now, like learning how to communicate with their masks on right now, like being a, a kid, you know, that can't even, you know, that hasn't fully formulated speech, 
you know, and, and emotion and grasp like reading people's emotions and salespeople, you know, that's the thing that I think is the next step that we need to work on. But I really do feel like people have really gained some empathy, at least in my sphere and the sales side, you know, at least in the kind of real estate industry is that people just care more, you know, they'll ask you how you're doing, you know, they'll ask you, you know, um, how your family is before really jumping into a call and, and that kind of thing. And so um, I really see that as a true positive that's coming out of this. And then I think the things we need to work on is how, how can we develop this emotional connection if in fact, we're going to be a little more disconnected now. Right. Absolutely. Do you have any ideas for how that might happen or what you see? I don't, you know, not yet. I think we're in, you know, a, a big transition in, you know, humanity right now. And so I think that, you know, the thing that I really see right now, if we're going to have to continue to wear masks and stuff, who knows what the future will bring with that. But, you know, clear masks for salespeople, like, I think that's going to be a really big thing that I've, I've got to get down for my sales team. Because, you know, trying to really read people um, and get their understanding, the clear masks to me are a big important step in that. Um, I don't know, honestly, just, you know, a lot of my team has learned how to use FaceTime um, that didn't really know how to use it before, Google Hangouts, um, and, you know, the Google Duo is whatever it's called, Zoom, you know, I think these platforms, as we all know, have, have really evolved the way we do business. Um, um, I think that that change has been forced and it happened really fast. So now that we're using it, it's about how can we now feel like we're emotionally connected? You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I'm with you on those clear masks. I mean, I'm like, I need to see these people's faces. I need to see if I, I want people to see me smiling at them. You know, it's I like know, right? you go into the grocery store and nobody will even look you in the eye anymore. And it's like, they can't tell if you're happy or sad or mean. I can't tell if any of these people, everybody looks the same. I'm like, this is not, this is, this, we need these clear masks sooner rather than later, you know, and so maybe even a, a hole for a straw or something. <laughs> Yeah, something. It's so hard for us type of, you know, connector people that it just, it's, it's been really tough for sure. It has. Do you, I'm curious, do you know, you mentioned a couple of things about, um, you know, being able to work together in the same house and stuff. Are you seeing any um, COVID driven kind of design changes? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, we're designing a new model right now um, in one of our communities and, you know, that we work with an interior designer that then kind of looks at these brand new plans and says, okay, well, if you kind of cut out this space, um, you know, you'll, you'll be able to have those separated spaces. So I think a lot of, you know, the building industry, you probably talked to architects on the show. I, I haven't listened to every one of them, but like, it's like you think about how much we move to this open space concept, right? Where you have one whole floor of your house for the most part, that's a connected kitchen into a great room, into a dining room. We got rid of formal spaces. We got rid of these separated spaces. Well, we're transitioning back now into the fact where you're going to have a separate, you need to have you know, one or two or a few separated spaces in that, you know, first floor. So we have really rolled out. And luckily, um, I don't, I won't say that we saw this coming, but it's kind of how we've always done it. We've always really wanted a work from home space in a home. And so, you know, we're kind of ahead of that trend a little bit, but you're seeing a lot of the homes now being designed to where you've got, you know, a really private space and they're taken away from maybe a, a children's bedroom to create a separate, you know, small room where you could have them on Zoom calls or you can take your own Zoom calls, Zoom rooms, right? They're calling them. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have this little kind of dead space uh, by a stair niche in this model home that we're designing now where instead of putting like a, just a plant or something like that, we're putting a little chaise lounge in there that will set up with a little laptop so people can see how you utilize that space. You know, maybe while somebody's working on the dining room table and somebody else is working in the living room, even though it's open, you know, still you can have another space within that one room 
where they can they can use and sit down and work on the laptop. So for sure, I mean, I absolutely see um, people working out of their homes more, people spending more time at home. It's critical that us as an industry that we evolve to that, that the architects are really thoughtful of that and that we as, you know, the marketing side, the sales side, we really do furnish and, and design the houses and, you know, stage the houses so that people can understand how to conceptualize their own space, even if they're not going to buy a home from us, right? go home and kind of think about how you might use this dead space in your house now and, and how might you be able to develop that. So, you know, maybe you're not hearing each other while you're on the same call on two different levels, or, you know, can you utilize a bedroom or a study in a different way or put some doors on? There's, there's a lot of things that are changing for sure. Absolutely. It's an interesting transition, you know, and just time anything that comes and kind of rattles our world has its impact like that and has sort of a ripple effect. So it'll be interesting to see what this looks like in the next year or two years and how it how it has, um, you know, kind of formed what, what our housing looks like moving forward. You mentioned um, a little bit ago that you are always learning, that you love to learn, and that it's kind of this constant pursuit of, of something new and of new knowledge. What um, podcasts or, or books or whatever information you're kind of learning right now, what wow. would you recommend or share? Yeah, so I guess I'm in kind of three different zones when I find podcasts um, and books especially too. So I've got the leadership side of things where I'm really trying to learn how to be a better leader, a better listener, you know, a better, um, uh, you know, a better mentor coach for people. So I've got this whole sphere of like leadership podcasts. Um, you know, there's one um, called uh, the leadership podcast, basically. Um, I'll have to look at it um, with Ryan Hawk. Um, and so then, then you've got three or four different, if you just Google, you know, get on the top rated leadership podcast, they're really good. Um, I do listen to also a lot of really marketing and sales heavy, um, you know, podcasts, um, in that sphere. So Gary Vaynerchuk is a guy that really, you know, evolved my life. You know, when I found Gary Vaynerchuk in like 2012 or something like that, I really started latching on, read all his books, kind of got into this mentality of, you know, hustle and kind of, you know, the harder you work, the, the more you have success. Um, and so that is sort of another one. And then I've got this other tier that's um, really around, you know, trying to take my mind off of the world, right? There's some really fun books that I've kind of gotten into. I'm a really big audible guy. And so, you know, I'm driving, I'm driving for hours and hours a day for the most part. And so I listen to these books, I listen to these podcasts, but I would say, you know, I've kind of got books right here um, that have been the, the most influential, you know, the, the, the one that I'd say I give to, I've given to more people is called The Go-Giver. Um, if you haven't read it, um, it's really a good sales uh, book. It's, it's the best sales book to give you a mentality of, you know, giving as opposed to receiving, right? The, the five laws are, you know, the law of value says, uh, you you receive more in value than you or, or you give more in value than you take in payment, right? That's the first law of the go giver. There are these five laws, and then you know they have two or three other follow up books that have been really good. The go giver leader, the go giver um, go giver sales. I mean, I think that really has formulated who I am. I, in 2015, I was very fortunate to work for a company called Hartford Homes up in Northern Colorado, and I was there for nine months, and I was driving 83 miles one way. You know, to and from work um, to get to Fort Collins. And so during that time is when I really transitioned. I mean, I would say at the end of my college career is when I really started kind of getting into this learning mode. But 2015 for me, when it comes to, you know, the shift in mentality and me getting closer to being 40 at that time was like, you've got to figure your life out, man. And, and it's, it's time now to really, you know, and I, at that point in time, I was transitioning into this leadership. And so I knew that I had to fix myself and figure out 
um, for myself what I, I um, wanted to do with my life. So anyway, I was, I was introduced to Ninja Selling. Have you heard of Ninja? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have. Okay. So Larry Kendall um, is one of my good friends up in northern Colorado with the group, um, which is a, a big real estate company, one of the biggest in Colorado. Um, I went through this ninja selling class and the go-giver was kind of the basis for, you know, his strategy, his class. And really um, the symbol key from Hakido is energy and it's about energy and it's about, you know, being that giver as opposed to being a go-getter. It's about being a giver, right? So be a go-giver. So as much as you want to be a go-getter and work your butt off and hustle, you know, I kind of evolved that into giving and, and giving back. And, and that's really change my mentality. So long answer, I go on tangents. If you want to do like a code word to say, Mike, stop your tangent. Like, let's do like, let's do like cuckoo bird or something like that. So. <laughs> no, absolutely. I love the tangents. That's really what it's all about. That's when we get some of our best info. So I love that book. I mean, that book has come up on this um, podcast time and time again. Uh, I think it just, the principles, it's such an easy read. And then yep. the principles are just so impactful. I mean, if you can go down that path and really see the, I love the the part about the, um, the, the hot dog stand and how he created the best experience. Like he was one hot dog stand among tens of thousands of hot dog stands in New York. And yet he won best hot dog stand because of the experience that he created for the people and that he gave them something that was so much more valuable than the price that they paid for that hot dog. Um, and right. it just, it, it was just very, that book is a, a really eye-opening and yet simple um, il illustration of how we can really have an impact on the world around us. And just the, the repercussions, rep I get this word wrong every time, but basically how we can also be impacted, um, you know, by what we get back when, we, when we're willing to, to be out there and to be giving, you know, yes, that's the word. Reciprocity, yes, I got you. Yeah, that one, that um, yeah, one. No, that book is a game changer for me. You know, the, the piece that I really took from that is this guy Pindar, who's kind of the main, you know, uh, character in the story is this multimillionaire, right? He runs all these businesses. He's the influencer. And this guy just randomly calls him and asks him for a meeting. And he says, yep, I'm going to meet with you on Saturday. But the condition is you've got to, you know, work on yourself like this. And so, you know, for somebody at that level, right? To be open to meeting with whoever just to help them out because they asked, like, that's where we really have to get to as a culture. And as I think, you know, us and, you know, more leadership roles, you know, if somebody asks for help, be there for them and say yes. And you will realize how much more the world opens up for you. You know, the, the other character of the story ends up being his best sales guy. And he opens up this, you know, amazing new world for him. And he, it wouldn't have happened had he not said yes to, you know, the opportunity. So, Absolutely. And saying yes to the opportunity sometimes is half the battle. I mean, it's just being right. willing to overcome whatever holds you back and, and to go after it is, is huge. So this book, you probably can't see it. It's oh, Jeffrey it Gilmer's yes. little gold book of, of yes attitude. So that's another one that I've got here sort of sitting next to my uh, book, Jeffrey Gittimer's little gold book of yes attitude. That was something that a mentor of mine gave me, I don't know, 15 years ago. And so it really all sticks with me saying yes opens up so many more doors than anybody will ever realize. It's true. You know, and just being willing to put yourself out there. One of the things um, you had said about Gary Vee, and I just, I love him because I love his, his willingness to be authentic. I mean, he really, yep. his, his biggest message is, you know, not to be perfect or scripted, but to just be you. And that's really what people are looking for. And, right. um, and so just to kind of go after that, you know, I see that reflected in how you, 
how you operate and, and what you do and, and how you engage with people. You know, you're authentic and you're willing to be vulnerable and let, let people see kind of that whole person, not just the, the Mike Davidson that maybe is the perception of who you are. Thanks. Yeah. I'm certainly not perfect. Um, and I have a lot of struggles. I have a lot of, you know, backstory that a lot of people don't know, you know, and that's, again, takes me into a place where you got to realize that too. So Brene Brown, you mentioned the word vulnerability. I mean, a lot of her books have changed the way I do business too, the way I relate with my family, the way I relate with, you know, anybody. Um, Brene Brown's Daring Greatly changed my world. Um, you know, um, I, I think that she is also kind of one of the main influencers that I, I pay a lot of attention to. Her, Tim Ferriss, Gary Vee, um, I think that have been probably the biggest influencers on the change that I've made in my life for the last five, 10 years, for sure. Oh, that's awesome. I love Brene Brown. She's, she's great. Um, yes. Yeah. And, and even like you were saying, Tim Ferriss, we were talking a little bit beforehand just about him and, and how he kind of operates and then how he interviews, has someone interview himself so that we can get yep. to know him a little bit more. It's a pretty hey. exciting thing. Sarah, we're going to make this happen. I'm first to volunteer. We need to do a podcast with you being the interviewee. And if you want me to do it, I would love to do it because everybody needs to hear your story. Tim does that. Like I was talking before we started, Tim Ferriss on his podcast, you know, once a year has a guest come in that he's interviewed to interview him. And so I think you've got a great story to tell. I'm sure there's a lot of things that so many people don't know about you, about how you got to where you are. A lot of people don't really realize how successful you've been and all the great things that are going on in your life too. And, and I think they need to hear that about you for sure. Well, thank you for that. And yeah, I, I told you, yeah. I, I'm down. I think we need to at least do one a year. I could handle that. Uh, and maybe we'll do that towards the end of this year, do something. I may be calling you to see what you can help me out with. Uh, but it is, it's just Literally. so interesting. And that's really where we find so much of, I, I truly believe, and on my website, I, I say, like, I believe that the greatest gifts of my life are found in you and in the people around me. And that's really like where we find that satisfaction and that sense of purpose and all of that is by just connecting to one another. And Absolutely. as you, Mike, as you kind of um, look at like where you're headed or what, what's kind of next in it, what's in store for you, what do you see? Hmm. Well, gosh, I, I really try and have a, a five-year outlook. Um, this whole COVID thing has really shaken that, you know, for me, for sure. Um, but what I see for myself is continuing to grow as a leader. Um, you know, we've got big plans as a company. We've got big plans as a family. Um, you know, my kids are growing up, you know, like I said, a 20-year-old, and I have a 13-year-old daughter, too. Um, so me spending time with them and really helping to shape them and, um, you know, be there for them is a big part of my next five-year plan. You know, um, they're at a bare, both of them at very critical points in their lives. And, you know, the fact that um, they're, I'm, you know, they're my responsibility in life to, you know, hand off to the world um, is a big important, you know, the, the most important thing in my life for sure. Um, you know, my wife comes next for sure. The things that she's doing are amazing. Her company is, is going to big places, you know, and then I think, you know, just, just me being in the role I am at the age I am, you know, I'm just so grateful to have the opportunity um, with this company, the, the outlook for Wonderland Homes, you know, we're, we're a smaller local builder right now, but the fact that we're going to be building homes in some awesome communities that I'm aware of um, in 2022, 2023, you know, um, the development of these communities is kind of on me and to help, help shape that with our company and to think about, you know, the 15 year plan of those communities. Like what I love about this industry is I've stood on pieces of land that were nothing and I can go back there now and drive in and see 
little girls that were my daughter's age riding their bikes. And that's where families are raised. And that's where memories are made like that. You know, I think about my childhood and upbringing and where, you know, I, I grew up, you know, I have the ability to really help develop communities and homes where people are, are making their lives. And so the passion that I have for making those, you know, really amazing and different than, you know, just a normal box on box on box community, box on box on box home, um, you know, it's important that um, we really take the time and effort as an industry and as people to to give that gift to people and, and how big of a purchase that is in people's lives. So, you know, absolutely. It's, that it's, community development. I mean, it's, it's just amazing how you're helping create something that's going to live long, probably beyond even you. And oh, gosh, creating yeah, that, for sure. that opportunity for community for other people. Yeah. So focus that focus that, you know, in my life, I think you know, that will lead into other opportunities that will, you know, energy breeds energy. So I'm putting that energy into the world, into my work, um, knowing that, um, you know, I think it'll help other people um, hopefully bring that energy to the world as well. And lifting our energy levels is just what I think we all need to be doing for each other. I agree. That's huge. And, um, and thank you for sharing that. And I'm curious, you know, one thing I love to do on this show is give people something practical that they can put into practice that will help them build their social capital. And do you have any kind of just like practical tips that you would either give your sales team or that you give the listeners, just how they can take, take some of these things and actually apply it and see the results in their own life? Sure. So I would say, um, get up every morning, and make sure that you start your day with gratitudes. You know, I, I have a iPhone note list, right? That goes back to 2015 when I started, you know, my journey in the leadership. And I write three things every day that I'm grateful for. So again, starting your day with that mentality of gratefulness, of thankfulness for everything you have, practical application, do that. That will change your mindset when you wake up in the morning every single day to bring your energy to the world. Um, then I would say, you know, really find the time to connect with the people on your phone. I mean, I don't know how many contacts you have on your phone, but I'm sure people have from fifties to two thousands and, and there, I bet you there's at least two or three people a day that you could reach out to just to say hello, or just to say thank you for something that they did for you, or just to say, you know, you know, what's going on in your life. Again, like going back to what we were talking about, connecting with them, not trying to sell them something, but really just saying, Hey, I've been thinking about you. Right. I think that that kind of builds your social capital. It gives you that muscle. You know, like I said, I've got influencers in my life. Most of them, a lot of them music educators. And so practice um, was a very big thing for in music. You know, we're championship level singers. Right. And so the one thing that I remember my, you know, music teacher telling me is practice makes permanent. Right. You don't you practice. There's no perfect. I don't think there's perfect in the world. The saying is, is silly, but practice makes permanent. So the things that you practice on a daily basis, develop a routine. You know, I have this crazy morning routine. Um, I do it every day. It helps me to stay grounded. It helps me to start my day fresh. Um, find that for yourself, you know, that gratitude, but then also, you know, how can you expand that energy that you're bringing to yourself and to the world, to other people that maybe aren't being touched by you every day? That's huge. And that is, it's just figuring out those small things. I mean, I've been really just for this last year or so, just very aware of saying, I appreciate you. And it's just, even yesterday I did something, someone did something for me. And I just, instead of saying like, I appreciate that, or I appreciate it or whatever, I was just very intentional about saying, I appreciate you and the time that you've taken to help me. And it just makes such a more, uh, it's like a more direct 
sense of, of communication, then, you know, sometimes we just kind of are like, oh yeah, that's great. I appreciate that. Um, but just figuring out how to just be more kind of in, I don't know, intentional maybe about showing our appreciation and our gratitude to those around us. Yeah, for sure. Showing up. And then I would say, you know, the last thing is, you know, be okay with failing, right? Um, you know, I think you have to really realize that, um, you know, nobody's perfect. Um, you're going to mess up. I don't, I don't do that stuff every day. I mean, I have my morning routine and some days I don't. And so, you know, as much as I preach here and look like the guy that's doing all that great stuff, right. You know, that's, those are things that I know have helped me, um, that I have done consistently, but I don't do consistently every day. And I know that just by saying it, that I need to do more of it. And so let, allow yourself the mistakes, allow yourself the space to say, you know, I screwed up today. Allow yourself the space to say, you know, I got fired, right? And, you know, there, I've been fired before, right? And those things kind of knock you off your, you know, balance. And you have to realize that those failures are going to teach you more than probably anything else that, that you'll learn. So be prepared to fail. Um, and that's, I think, a, a really big thing that I've, I've learned too. That's huge. It, it is. It's such a hard thing. I mean, I hate failure. Sometimes I won't even do things because I don't want to fail. Uh, and right. even this podcast, this for is sure. one of those things where for two years I didn't do it because I didn't think I'd know how to do it. And um, totally. and so then you just kind of hold back. But once you get out there and you start going, you realize that the failure piece is really more of a learning piece than anything else. It doesn't actually set us back usually too far. Um, but if anything, it'll help us grow further as we continue to pursue that thing that we're going after. Speed over perfection is Gary Vee's big thing, right? Don't don't wait for perfect. You've got to get out there and do it and fail. Um, my dad's thing too, after that, one big thing that I learned from my father was, you know, don't make an excuse, right? You, you may have failed um, and, and it may be somebody else's fault or it's probably not, right? Don't make an excuse. Just move on and, you know, know that you failed and learn the lesson that you were meant to learn from your failure. Don't make an excuse. Move on. Let's Let's do something new. Yeah, take responsibility and keep on going, right? That's right. Well, Mike, you have been a real pleasure to have on the show. It's been so fun to Thanks, get to Sarah. know more about you and to hear your kind of thoughts and perspective on how you approach the world and how you see social capital being important in your life. Before we wrap up, is there anything that you haven't shared or any final thoughts that you have that you just don't want to leave us without? Wow. Um, so I have like a again, a quote log and I've got like this motivation thing. So if you, if you join me on LinkedIn, if you know me, a lot of people, you know, say that, you know, it's funny that I do this every day, but it's a big thing for me too. So I'll leave you with a couple of, of big quotes, um, you know, that, that have changed me. Right. So um, I think that work hard in silence and let your success be the noise is a big one that I've been focused on lately. Work hard in silence and let your success be the noise. Um, I think that, uh, you know, everything that we do makes a difference. And, you know, if we're ranting and raving about it, that's great, you know, but let, let your success be the noise. Um, I would say, you know, the, the man in the arena quote is probably my most favorite. I don't know. Has that been read on this podcast yet? No. You know the man in the arena? No, tell me. Okay. So um, the man in the arena is a quote uh, by Theodore Roosevelt, right, that he said in a speech in 1910. Um, and I'm just going to read it to you. It's kind of the basis for a lot of Brene Brown's work. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, 
whose face is marred by the dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great, the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, is, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. And so it's about being that person that isn't the onlooker, you know, talking about other people. You know, you're the one that's in the arena. You're the one going through it. You know what you're going through. Um, don't let the noise of the other people, you know, hurt you. You know, you need to keep going on and daring greatly and doing the things that, you know, you know are going to benefit you and others. Oh my gosh, that's huge. And thank you so much for sharing that. Because no, I don't think that's been shared on the show yet. And you're so right. It, it takes courage to be in the arena. And it's so easy to sit on the sidelines and to judge and to criticize and to say how you would have done it differently. But but really being the one that's willing to stand up there and take the hits and go for the go for the gold is a whole different it's a whole different piece. And if we can also support those people that are in the arena rather than pointing fingers, but really give them that support, it can be it can be life changing. Yeah, I recognize it for sure as you see it in everybody that's working hard these days and not a lot of people get the credit for it. It's true. Like you. It's so true. I know you're working hard to get this message out to the world. And so I just give you a lot of credit for, you know, how much work you put into this podcast. I know it's probably hard, you know, with your regular day job and I'm sure it's not been easy. So I really appreciate the opportunity, Sarah. Um, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Would love to figure out a way to interview you and if there's ever anything that I can do or anybody uh, listening you I'll, I'm sure you'll share how to get a hold of me so thank you oh my gosh well thank you for those kind words and for the support and encouragement because we all kind of need that sometimes but I uh, sure. I do I definitely will we have your information in the show notes and uh, people can reach out to you and I encourage you to connect with Mike he's a great resource and a, an incredible source of information and um, just an all-around great human being and so Mike thank you Thanks, so much Sarah. for being here and for sharing your story and sharing your time with us I really appreciate you my pleasure I appreciate you too thanks everybody for listening yeah, and let's do this again soon. Maybe I'll have you back here in the next few weeks and you can interview me. Okay, that sounds good. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Mike. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, my pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. That's all for this episode of Social Capital Expert. Please visit socialcapitalexpert.com for show notes, additional episodes, and to see who will be visiting us next on the show. Also, be sure to check out our upcoming Social Capital Mixers. These are events where we can connect in person to build social capital. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you join us for the next episode.